Welcome to the Sacred Ancestry Podcast, a show about discovering the true human potential. Let's dive deep into physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual health. I'm your host, Thomas Worm. The best thing about the breakthrough sessions is when my client's entire physiology changes. Their voice changes, even the way they talk about things is completely different than it was before the session. Their entire life has changed in front of my eyes. The spark they had as a child is back. And what's so beautiful is that they are the exact client I need right now. Because whatever they release, I release too. I learn so much about myself every session, and the client releases a seed that connects all the problems in their life. The client is realigned in their mind, body, and spirit. That's the breakthrough session. Writing a book isn't about the actual book because there, there's gonna be those obstacles that try and derail you from the actual writing. The key is preserving through the pain of writing every day. The book begins to highlight your emotional deep core wounds in a way that makes you wanna quit writing, right? But if you stay on the course, the old beliefs, the old identity of yourself, the negative ways of thinking begin to fall away. And suddenly, a new way of being starts to emerge. This is when the book begins to come alive and write itself. Because in this moment, you aren't writing the book. The book is writing itself as you have this internal transformation. This is the essence of healing through writing. Is your book screaming from the back of your mind? I know mine was. What would happen if your healing journey stopped here? You never got over that final hump. Your regret, remorse from not writing your book was the source of mind-body, future disease. I mean, what would you tell your clients if you couldn't work anymore? Go be healed somewhere else? I mean, what would happen if your business failed because you hold yourself back from your highest self? What would it be like if you regretted the book you never wrote and your last thoughts on your deathbed was, I wish I would have written that book? See, all these things are tragic, but it's possible for you to reach your big dream and be a number one best-selling author. When the book heals the author, the book heals the reader. This is a powerful concept because when books heal the reader, they sell and they go number one bestseller. So I'm starting this movement of healing through writing and using the breakthrough session to release the root cause of writer's block, that procrastination, that loss of motivation when you started writing your book or you had the idea and you never started. There's one-on-one coaching calls, weekly homework and accountability, After a comprehensive health assessment, we build habits and systems and goals to keep you on track. There's MP3 guided meditations, one-on-one hypnosis. And then I really teach you how to get published, how to self-publish or publish with my company, Mountain Mind Tricks Publishing. Then you leverage your book on podcasts, talk shows, speaking engagements, and you manifest that prosperity and passive income you're really looking for in your business. So I want you to check out BreakthroughWritersBlock.com and join the Healing Through Writing movement. It'll be the best thing you ever did in your life because writing a book will completely change everything. So go to BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Again, that's BreakthroughWritersBlock.com. Are you a new author that's trying to wade through self-publishing of what category should I pick, find the right designer, get an editor? What about the formatting? What's the dimensions that the actual spine in the book have to be? Is it gloss or white paper? There's so many different things that goes on in publishing. And that's why I'm dedicated to helping indie authors that have gone through this healing journey through writing their own book 
publish that piece of art, publish that amazing work that could help heal others. And here's the thing, is when a book heals the author, the book heals the reader. And this is so huge. I know I say this all the time, but it's so important. And, and I wanna help the world make a huge impact by spreading more books that heal the reader. So if this sounds like you, I want you to go to mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Again, that's mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. And if you're wading through, should I publish on Amazon? What about Ingram Spark? How do I get my book into bookstores? What should I do to even launch a book? How do I get on podcasts? There's so many things that go into publishing. And again, that's why I'm here for you. I want to publish your book. So if this sounds like you, go to mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Again, mountainmindtricks.com slash publishing. Welcome everybody to the show. I'm so excited for my guest, Stephen Bailey. He's a digital nomad, co-founder of Cated.com and the host of the Cated podcast. And we're just going to jam about uh, becoming a digital nomad, the journey, what it's like to be on the road, traveling all the time. And uh, Stephen, could you introduce yourself and kind of, you know, just let us know how how you got into being a digital nomad? Like, what was the motivation? Like, kind of what was going on in your life before this all happened? Hi, Thomas. Thank you for inviting me on the show. Hello, everybody listening. So, so my name is Stephen Bailey. I became a digital nomad long before I knew that digital nomadism existed. I think it was about six years ago, I was with somebody. And I was explaining what I did and they said, oh, you're one of those digital nomads. And I was like, what's one of them? And it's, oh, it's what you do. You, you, you live and you work and, and you travel uh, and, uh, and you do it from anywhere. So, oh yeah, that is me. I've been doing that since 2007. So the actual term and, and the phrase digital nomad kind of came later, I think, when, when I started, I didn't have in my head I wanted to be a digital nomad. My uh, ambition was that I, I was not happy in the UK uh, for a variety of reasons. Uh, I'd done some traveling before, and my ambition was that this time I can't come back. So I've now just done three winters. I, I know I can't handle another winter here. Uh, I, I just have to go and I have to make sure I make a plan that when I'm away, I never have to come back to live in this place. And, and that was basically how it started in, in 2007, just that this, this ambition that if I come back here, I know I'm not going to be happy. So how do I make sure I don't come back? Wow, that's amazing. And, and so tell me more about how you know, obviously you didn't renounce your citizenship to the UK or anything like that. At least I, I don't know. I'm asking like your citizenship, like the visas, like always traveling through different countries. And have you mainly been in Europe or have you been like worldwide uh, traveling all these years? Yeah, so it's been completely worldwide. So in the earlier years, it was quite, it was slow travel. Slow travel is cheap travel going overland. So, so I traveled from England overland all the way to Singapore. Uh, I spent a lot of time in, in Africa. Uh, then in the last five, six years, I, as I, you know, generated more income, you know, I was doing quite well for myself. Then it would really be flying everywhere. So every month, it seemed, was a different continent, uh, moving quite fast, going to, to a destination. I always liked just being somewhere for two weeks. For, for me, it was a great amount of time because enough to get a feel for the destination 
and still it always feels exciting but then you don't get bored you, you're soon moving on again and uh, moving on to the next place and you know also a lot of a lot of countries you visit you you can have 30 days maybe 90 days uh, without a visa so so i would always travel on on a visitor visa if the country said you can stay for two weeks i'd stay for two weeks and leave if they say you can stay for 30 days i'd probably be leaving after 29 days so so i kept it super simple in that regard just always trying to minimize minimize the barriers really between going uh, between going anywhere Oh, that's so awesome. And, you know, for me, like I've traveled to Asia three times and Central America and in some parts of the Caribbean and, you know, up in Canada and things like that. Um, and it seems like every time I've traveled, there's like this, there's just this feeling I have, like, this is so exciting. Like the environment's new. There's a new language. There's so much going on, like, especially in Asia. For me, Asia is just so amazing. Um, and I'm curious, like, do you still get that feeling like in, in these places for two weeks, it's still that like, just, it's almost like this adrenaline rush, but it's, it's not quite so intense, right? At least that's what it's like for me. Yeah, that's definitely when you, when you go on vacation, especially if it's somewhere quite exotic, somewhere new, you do have this buzz of, wow, this is something new. And the great thing about doing it full time is you can have that rush. You can have that buzz. 52 weeks of the year if you want to if you if you don't go back at all like you can keep having it it, it does uh, diminish a little bit uh like some things don't wow you anymore you know if you've seen victoria falls and you've seen angel falls and then you go see a waterfall you're maybe not as impressed and so there can be that fatigue cultural fatigue like sightseeing fatigue but uh, I, I really find that there's a nice balance with actually working. So when you're on vacation, you're, you're doing things all day. You're really maximizing those two weeks. Whereas if you're also working, you've got to take it slow. You can't be rushing around everywhere, trying to do everything, trying to see everything, because you've also got a job, right? And I think that really helps to slow things down. You still have some of a routine. So it's not like every night you're, you're checking out uh, over, you know, all these incredible restaurants and sites. You're really like, okay, tonight I'm just staying in my Airbnb. I'm doing what I probably would be doing at home, just, just relaxing, uh, you know, finding some chill time after a day at work, uh, then planning out where I'm going to go on my, ne my next trip, my next, uh, my next venture, my next journey, uh, my next destination. Oh, that's so awesome. So it sounds like kind of once you get to a place and get into a, a little bit of a rhythm, like you're always planning for the next next place you're going, right? Yeah, so always planning kind of six, eight weeks in advance, that I would say. Yeah, one to two months in advance, always planning. So And I always uh, like to have the accommodation and the co-working space organized before I arrive uh, because I, I don't like to waste time trying to find those things like I don't have that time to waste so what I'll do is I'll use some a website like uh, co-worker so that they've got all these co-working spaces I can contact the co-working in advance make sure that's set up then maybe ask them questions about the area I find an Airbnb in a good area so I know like working and living is sorted I can just turn up on a Sunday uh, I, my work week will be fine. And then I feel relaxed. I know I've got one, two, three weeks 
to explore the destination in the evenings, also at the weekends. Yeah, that's all. Oh, that's so awesome. And so, um, I want to go back a little bit on like what was what was the motivation like. I know you talked about like the UK was really unhappy for you, but like what kind of work were you doing back then compared to now? And like, what was like kind of this major like stress there in the UK for you? Yeah, I think the stress was just typical society. I, I, Cause I saw that other people were not stressed by the same things as me. So I had uh, a job working in an office, you know, it was the nine to five pretty much. Uh, it was following a, you know, laid out career progression. Um, it was doing the same thing every day, uh, saving up to to spend all your money at the weekends, getting drunk, uh, and then one good holiday in a year. That it was very much set up that way. And I do remember this kind of crystal clear moment of uh, I went to the bank uh, to see about a mortgage, uh, and the bank was like, "Okay, you can have this amount of money." Uh, and then I was looking at case, okay, so then I'll buy buy a house. I can afford a house in this kind of area. And then I was just like, well, what am I doing? Like, I, I'm not happy doing what I'm, what I'm doing. So, so why am I going to the bank to find a 25, 35 year mortgage to live in a place that I don't even like? Uh, and when I actually saw that, that was quite liberating. I really realized, wait, so if I'm not going to follow that extra step that I'm supposed to do, that extra step in society. Uh, what am I going to do instead? How, how am I going to change things? Uh, yeah, that, that was the kind of pinnacle when I really got to, this is what I, when I knew I had to do something different. And, and I think I noticed that other people seemed quite happy with how things were going. So it was going to the office, it was doing the work, it was getting the promotion, it was buying the house that, you know, it was getting the, the girlfriend, the wife, the, the 2.4 children, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and for me, I could just see every month getting more and more uncomfortable and uh, depressed with the situation, really, because I was really starting to think, well, how long does this go on for? Like, <laughs> when, when does it end? And then when you get the mortgage, well, 25 years, when, then what's going to happen? Uh, and, and I think being down about it, be, being a little depressed about it, I, I think a lot of it was the complete lack of excitement. Uh, and I knew that when I traveled before, I'd had that buzz, I'd had that excitement. Uh, thank you so much for sharing. And, and I, it resonates so much with me because, you know, coming from the firefighter world, it's like, you know, when I left, it was, oh my God, this job is so good. Like the retirement, the benefits, the pay is all pretty pretty like normal like you're saying like it it's right on track with that societal norm of get the good job get the wife get the house and now what and i think i was i was watching people around me hit that 20 year retirement mark cuz that's like the big thing in firefighters over here in the states is like you have that 20 year retirement and it's like but the job is so hazardous by the time you hit 20 years it's like you're so effed up that it's like you know yeah you retired but what do you have left you got you have not anything really your health is probably over and so um i would just see these guys retire and then die like a year later all the time and it's just like this isn't this is not where i want to be and so i think i'm just i just want to say that i really resonate with what you're saying and um 
So thank you for sharing that. And, and I'm curious on like, where has been like your favorite destinations? Favorite destination? I, I spent a lot of time in, in Cape Town in, in South Africa. That was for me, the, the, just a wonderful lifestyle uh, to, to always be outside, always something new to do. Like I'd go quite a few years that it would just be okay it's coming to december january time it's my time to go to south africa uh, i think i had some connections there with with friends i had so who were still traveling but there it felt more uh, that i almost had some roots and it was every year i would go back i would stay in a different area of cape town so, so that made it a little bit different that is Yes, it's still the number one to me. The, the others, it's, it's always been just this travel and, and discovery. So, you know, I, there's not many I've been back to multiple times in that way. But for example, Hanoi can be brilliant for, for, for being there for two weeks, like the buzz of such a crowded uh, Vietnamese city and, you know, great food and everything going on. But after a few weeks, it's like, wow, this is so intense. Whereas somewhere like Chiang Mai, also in Asia, it's quite nice to live here, but after two, three weeks, you, I get a bit, well, what else happens? We, we, we're staying in this nice, cute, quaint area, and then there's the mountain there, but, you know, where's the buzz? The, the same, like, for example, I love um, Puerto Escondido in Mexico. You know, it's, it's paradise by the beach, uh, but after, like, four weeks, I'm like, uh, I think I need to leave because I'm not doing any work. I'm just getting way too much into the chilled vibes. Buenos Aires, like incredible city to be. But then, you know, I find after, I'm just always a bit restless because I find in Buenos Aires after a few weeks, I'm like fully into city vibes. I'm like, you know, going for my expensive coffees all the time, always going in restaurants, always uh, wanting to be socializing, uh, wanting to have that big city life, which is also maybe not sustainable forever. So the main thing for me is this, the ability to move and the ability to discover just, just creates all this opportunity because you can be in one place uh, and if you don't like it, a week later you're somewhere else. And then I think back to being in England, it's like I don't like it, but when am I going to be somewhere else oh, in eight months when I go on holiday? You know, that, that, that's still like, I, I'm still very, very grateful to, to the lifestyle. Uh, for that opportunity to change all the time. Like, you don't like it, maybe maybe you go to a country and like, I don't know, it's not really what I expected. It, it, it wasn't as I imagined. I don't really like the vibe. Okay, well, next month you're in a new country. Oh, that's so amazing, man. And yeah, it's that thrill of like getting on the flight or getting on the bus. And actually, I think sometimes the bus rides are my favorite because you never know what's going to happen, right? Especially in Asia, for at least my experience. And um, yeah, it's just it's so much fun to travel around. So I would love to hear hear from you, like if you have any tips or anything for people to like, like how to start being a nomad, like, like um, you know, obviously you got to get like a freelancing or some sort of online gig, right? But like, what are some of the things like you recommend to people or or... Any thoughts like that? Yeah, so I I always recommend to split it in two. There's like the digital part and there's the nomad part. And the nomad part is is the living. It is living out of a backpack, which comes with its, its 
ups and it's downs. And then there is digital part, which is how you're going to earn money. And if you think, I don't really know how to start, look, I've got a comfortable job here. You know, the easiest way to start is to try and start generating some digital income, some little side projects. While you've still got your comfortable salary, while you've still got your home, while you don't need to, you know, think, wow, if I don't get, if I don't get something, then I'm going to be stuck on this island and I'm never going to get back to, to anywhere. So I always recommend like trying to, trying to split the two. Uh, and a lot of people focus on, okay, what the, the digital side uh, in terms of I, I'm going to need this, I, I'm going to have to make this much money. And, and I think what people often struggle with is, is they see digital nomad and they can, can often be confused with get rich quick because you get loads of adverts saying, yeah, you can be, you can be a digital home, you can be earning like five figures doing next to nothing. And you know, you can have this great lifestyle traveling. And that makes it this chase for something which is not important to the lifestyle. The lifestyle is being nomadic and traveling. And you will find that you can do that. You can travel nomadically and you can live for a fraction of what it costs you to live uh, in in the US, in Canada, in Western Europe, like the costs come down so much, especially when you travel slowly, when you take your time, you know, to eat, when you're eating local food, when you're exploring and you're doing things quite locally, and you're not paying rent, you're not paying a mortgage back home, you you know what where what taxes are you paying, what car repayments have you got, like. When you strip yourself of all those things and be nomadic, your costs become very small. So then that gives you the, the freedom to think about, okay, what do I need to support this lifestyle? It's actually a lot less than what I would need uh, to support my lifestyle at home. And then that getting digital becomes a lot easier to, to conceive. It becomes a lot easier. Well, if I just have you know, one project, if I try some freelancing, it, you know, if I do these things, I try a few things, I think I can get, I can make myself a thousand bucks a month. Okay. So now I've got my basic lifestyle and then it can just slowly grow from there. Oh, that's wonderful advice. I love that. And um, so, yeah, going back to the taxes, I'm so interested on in, like, where do you pay taxes? Like, do you, are you still a taxpayer in the UK or like, how does all that work for you? Yeah, so the, I, I'm still, and, and this is interesting with digital nomads now because it's become quite a popular thing and now there's all this discussion about it. And, you know, digital nomads, uh, and this is true of 99.9% of them, just they're registered in the country they're from. They visit a country on a tourist visa, on a visitor visa. So technically they are not allowed to work in that country. So, you know, when I, when I go to Vietnam, when I go to South Africa, I'm a visitor, I can, I'm not permitted to work, but then I'm working for somebody who's in America. Yeah. I'm from Britain. Uh, you know, it's such a global world. And I've always just kept it simple thinking, look, I need to pay taxes somewhere because if you completely fall through the cracks, you know, eventually someone's going to chase you and say, look, Hey mate, like you've been going eight years and we haven't got any records. So you must've paid tax in another country. Send us proof. And it, well, well, I didn't, uh, it's going to become complicated. So I just pay tax as, as someone who's self-employed. 
uh, and, and I pay it in the UK as a self-employed person with a registered business address in the UK. Uh, and it's just that my work takes me traveling, uh, takes me away from my home um, almost all of the year. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that makes sense. Cause I think there's, yeah, the government always catches up to you at least here in the States. And um, yeah, that's, that's a good plan. I love that. And, and so um, do you ever go back to the UK like once a year, every couple of years, or is it like you haven't been back? Yeah, I, I definitely go back. Uh, I, I mean, this was definitely different at the start because at the start I was living off, off a lot less money. So, you know, long distance flights would be expensive so it really would be okay travel slowly travel cheaply the longer you spend in any destination the cheaper your costs um the faster you move then you know obviously it gets more expensive because you're taking double triple the amount of flights so at the start not i, I didn't really go back much that there were definitely uh, there was one period of three years where i didn't return to the uk uh, but more recently, when you know I, I do better for myself now, I, I have more money, and I fly back basically for for life events. So friends getting married, uh, maybe a baby's been been born of a good friend, those kind of things. And, and usually, it's always in summer, so so it'd be the British summer. Fly in for a couple of weeks, uh, see friends, see family, uh, and then fly somewhere else. Oh, that's so awesome. So, so can you tell us more about the, the KTID.com and your podcast? Like what is, what is your business and what's all that about? Yeah. So, so when I left, I was, I mean, I think doing what a lot of people are wanting to do now. So, so I left, I'm, I'm going to travel, I'm going to write about my travels. I'm going to be a writer and then that's going to make, make me loads of money. And then I'll be able to keep traveling. And, you know, it didn't really pay particularly well, but you know, I found some ways to to really keep my costs down, just to achieve what I wanted to achieve, which was to not go back. And then over time, as I did it a lot, I developed clients. I, I then had a, an agency, digital marketing agency, they're called now. Although I, again, at that time, I didn't know that this was this this is what it was, uh, but it was a, and it was creating content for travel companies. That went pretty well until about. Luckily, I, I, I sold it just before the, uh, the pandemic. So, so I was quite fortunate <laughs> in, in, in that regard, providing a B2B service to travel companies just before a time when all travel companies stopped outsourcing anything and spending money on it. Uh, and, and I co-founded Katie.com, which is a travel agency. Uh, but it's not a typical travel agency. So Katie.com connects travelers directly to local travel suppliers for a customized trip. So wherever you want to travel in the world, the best person to arrange your trip is going to be a local. But how are you going to connect with that local? How are you going to find that local? That's what we do at Katie. We connect you with them. And then the crucial thing is we make sure it's a trusted trip and it's fully protected because for example you might want to go with a local and you know that local is better but are you comfortable sending all that money to somebody you've only met virtually to, to this foreign bank account in in whatever country you book via catered it's a fully protected trip you know that your money's safe you know that that trip's going to happen when it's there we also vet all the all the locals so you've got that level of, of support and security. So that is 
the business I founded and also based on, you know, traveling to a hundred countries around the world, knowing the kind of typical travel experience in all these countries um, and having that, I would say expertise, like I don't like to say, um, say I'm an expert, but that expertise of different countries. So if you say I want to go to Peru, I've been there, so I've, I've got an idea of Peru. If you say I'm going to Ecuador or Fiji or Kenya, you know, wherever it is, uh, I have an idea of what travelers uh, are looking for and the type of tourist experience that is provided by locals. Oh man, that's such an amazing idea. And, and I can just see how it's, it's um, so awesome to connect with the locals. I think that's my favorite thing about traveling is the food and the culture and the locals. And because the locals just, you know, they, there's that amazing trade of that culture exchange for money. And it's just, everybody wins. It's so, it's so exhilarating to really be with the locals. So I love that business. Like, thank you for I mean, what you're doing. Yeah, you have a better trip with the locals and it's also way more sustainable because if you spend money with, if you're spending money with locals, then your money's staying in that community. So it's developing that community. It's creating better services in that community. If you're booking a trip and paying everything to your agent in, in your home country, a lot of your money is not actually going to your destination. So I, I think it's so important uh, in terms of, the economic empowerment and the long-term sustainability to, you know, to shop local, to be local. We do it in our own communities. It's good to shop local. So when we travel, it's it's great to be local as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's so awesome. So um, I'm curious about like your travel safety, like vaccines, like all this stuff that goes into, I know when I go international, I, I do look at the vaccines or I'll look at kind of the safety of the city that I'm going to. And like, I'm curious if you've ever had any close calls traveling around through all these countries or crazy bus rides, or I'm sure there's just a million stories, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely a million stories. I mean, for, for vaccines, I have just, I mean, I've, I have them all. Like if you do it, you plan a trip to to central africa and then see what vaccines you need for that and then you get them you're pretty much covered for the world uh, so and i mean I, I like to have them all it's it's good with that I, I, safety i mean i'm always looking up again why i really like to, to do things locally is because you can just get that little advice like i remember being in in mombasa in kenya and and they the the people said to us, look, this is safe and this is not. And they marked it on a map really clearly. And I was like, okay, so, so we're walking and we're at the, the border. But then I could see something like a few meters. And I was like, I mean, we're only going to walk on this road for like 20 meters. It's going to be fine. And then 10 meters after walking on this road, these women ran after us saying, don't walk here. It's not safe. And I was, you know, just so gl glad of the, the local advice to keep myself safe. But then, you know, I, I think the dangerous thing traveling is, is the crazy bus journeys, the, the crazy things on the road, like they can be quite hairy, you know, when you're hurtling around corners in, in the Himalayas, uh, when you're driving on ice, when you're, you know, on the back of a motorbike going through, through a city, like, I think that can be quite dangerous. I mean, I, I've in, in what, 14 years, uh, I've been robbed twice and 
I actually, my, my house in Leeds before I left in the UK uh, had been robbed twice in the four years before I left. So I, I think it's much of the muchness. Yeah, and it's so interesting because I think during my first travel experience uh, when I was in Thailand, there was um, this taxi ride from Chiang Mai up to Pai up in the mountains, and it was just the craziest road. And our taxi driver, you know, there's probably like 15 of us in one of those 10-person passenger vans, classic Asia style, and we're just whipping around these corners, and there's buses and bikes, and it was just like, I thought that was a pretty crazy ride. And then when we got to Pi, we were, we were talking to this bartender. And I remember she said, yeah, that I came here about 10 years ago. And that taxi ride was so horrific that I've just, I just couldn't leave. <laughs> and it's, it's just like, like, it's like seven, 700 other turns, isn't it? That road, Chiang, yeah. Chiang Mai to Pi. It's it, insanity. Yeah, in, in vehicles that are too fast. And I, you have these things uh, when you're traveling. And, and I think I've just learned to close my eyes, close my mind to them. Like, no, well, look, that's how you get there. There's not really any other choice. So just got to kind of do it and, and, and not think about what might happen because, hey, what might happen? It, it could happen anywhere. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. I love it, man. Traveling is um, something that just lights me up. So it's just so amazing to talk to somebody that's traveled everywhere. Um, that's that's never, just... never everywhere. Like I, I, really, <laughs> I really don't like to know to say that because because like you, you think you've traveled everywhere and then you're like, no, not really. Uh, and then there's also like, you know, there's a bit of a competition thing, you know, people like been to every country, got every flag. And it's like, for me, that's not really why I want to travel, like to, to go everywhere. Also, I, I love going back to countries. Like I love going back to the same country five years later, 10 years later and going to a different place or, or seeing how it's changed or having a different experience because I'm with different people or I'm doing a different type of uh, activity. So, so I think you can never travel everywhere because you know what everywhere is going to be different next year so you're going to have to go do it all again <laughs> right right and so actually the next trip i'm planning is uh south america i'd love to hear your advice on like peru ecuador bolivia like that kind of area and, and definitely leaning toward peru but i'd love to hear about your experience there yes i mean incredible continent uh, i i've not actually done a long trip and I mean long by my standards, like kind of more than three months in, in South America. I've always been uh, flying in and out. Uh, my favorite is uh, Colombia. Uh, my favorite country in South America is Colombia. It's very colorful and it's just got this incredible diversity of, of landscapes and things to experience. Like it's got the Caribbean, it's got the Andean mountains, it's got the Amazon. It's got these really interesting cities, such as Medellin and Cali. It's got the, the hills with like the coffee plantations. So it, it's got this really intriguing uh, mix, which is also what you'll find in Peru. Peru as similar because it's got a city experience. It's got um, Cusco and Machu Picchu. So it's got that old historic experience with, with the Incas. It's also got a uh, beach destinations. It's also got the Amazon. So 
you've got that nice mix of a lot of different things to do. If you've only got two, three weeks, then, then it's great because you can uh, combine those different things. Oh, that's so awesome. And so I'm also curious about how, um, you know, the, the pandemic and everything has affected your travel and what this last year has been like for you as a digital nomad. Yeah, so, so the pandemic has, has really changed things in terms of uh, where, where, you know, where we can move at, as nomads. Uh, I was in, actually in Buenos, Buenos Aires when, when Argentina just had this really quick, okay, everything's closing, uh, flights are cancelled, um, curfew re- was really quite intense. And I was like, okay, well, first I thought sit out the pandemic it's not going to last that long in, in Buenos Aires but it but it, it that was actually a hairy moment and it was kind of like felt like martial law was being being imposed uh, so I ended up getting a, uh, a flight back to Europe uh, and then was like okay okay where do I stay and it actually ended up being a very nice uh, time because nobody could do anything everything was closed, but then I just ended up living with friends and family, people I would only spend, you know, a couple of days a year with, ended up spending like three weeks with them uh, and, and just kind of moved between houses uh, quite, quite nomadically, almost like a hobo, really, uh, in, in that sense, spending time with people, um, living with people, uh, and, and then ended up in, uh, in Spain. My sister lives in Spain came to Spain and was like, look, this, this time, it's not going to be possible for a while, the travel. So, so look, I, I just find a good spot in, uh, in the south of Spain, stay there for the winter, wait until uh, things calm down. And I'm, I'm not going to get completely stuck somewhere, uh, which was kind of what had happened in, in Argentina. Wow. Yeah. And are things starting to open up uh, where you are now? Yeah, I mean, think, things are opening up, but are they really opening up? It's like, yeah, you can now do something that you always could do. You know, it's that, you know, with these things of uh, opening up. So I, I don't think it's a, it's a great time for this long-term travel. Uh, I think it's still a time to maybe go to one place, stay there for six months uh, and, and see how it is, uh, you know, there are these extra requirements, extra costs, extra complications uh, with with traveling, especially in the way that, that I used to travel. Uh, and if, if you do make it and, and you, you kind of get in there and, and, and you've, you've managed to do it between a few countries, then, uh, then great. But uh, at the moment, I'm just seeing this as like a natural time to, to pause a little bit, uh, not, you know, chase the dream too much uh, and, and spend spend all my money doing it but but just kind of wait until there is some freedom to to really do the things we always did like just travel freely yeah yeah i think that's amazing where are you where are you now are you in spain yeah, so, still yeah so i'm in spain in, in alicante in spain uh which is in the i, I mean the I, I think when I when I look around and I speak to other people about how the situation is with restrictions and health, etc., I, I think I could have picked a lot worse. Like it's fairly free here, the, the weather's good, so so it's always outside. It's on the coast, 
Mr. Mountain. It's not life as it normally is, which is the same, I think, almost everywhere in the world. Uh, but it's the, there, there are a lot of good things here, so I'm happy with that. Oh, that's so awesome. And, you know, it's interesting here in the States because some states completely zero restrictions or some states are still locked down. It's just kind of depends on the actual the province and the state laws right now and what they're doing. But it's here in the States, we're slowly slowly opening a lot of things, uh, which is, has been amazing to get back to some sort of normalcy almost. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's, I mean, we're all, we all just want it to happen as soon as it can. And, and I think at first I was like, I can sit it out here for, for a month or two and, you know, obviously it's continued for so long and now I'm getting more patient thinking, okay, you know, it, it's taken a long time and, and you know, eventually it's, it's going to come back and, and what can we do? I, I think what's been good is it gives you time to think. I think this last 12 months has given everybody a lot of time on their own, so to speak, uh, to think about things, to, to think about perhaps what they want, what they want to do. And also giving, giving people time to think about travel because I, for me, it was really like living in the UK and before I went before I left to become a digital nomad, it was like, yeah, you went on your holiday for two weeks of the year and you, you just went on a holiday because that was what you did. You didn't think, where do I want to travel? What do I want to experience? Like, what is going to be special about it? And I think that's what's been great now. People have, travel's been taken away and people have started thinking, okay, when I go away again, what do I want to experience? What do I really want to, to do? Where do I want to go? Not just the same place, I always went. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think we're all creating that travel, that experience for sure. And um, is there is there anything else that I haven't asked you or that we haven't touched on that you would love to talk about um, and just go a little deeper or, or how are you feeling? Yeah, I'm feeling good. We, we can go deeper on anything. I would just say to continue on your question about uh, South America, like I would really signpost uh, you and, and anybody listening to the Catered Travel podcast. So it's a daily short form podcast and each episode is a new destination. So if you go there, you'll find a 10 minute uh, episode on Colombia, 10 minute episode on the Galapagos Islands, 10 minute episode on Peru. Uh, and in these episodes, I just provide an introduction. Look, this is, this is what the, the country is like. Uh, these are some uh, good experiences to try. These are some destinations. This is probably where you're going to fly in and out. Just an overview to then get the ideas flowing so then you can research and do all the rest yourself. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. I'm going to check that out. And uh, so actually, I do have another question for you that popped up was basically like when I travel, um, of course, I'm doing a whole bunch of research online, but usually I'll buy a, a Lonely Planet or um, gosh, there's the Frommers, I think. I can't remember. There's a couple other companies that do those books. And, and I'm curious on like, what do you do when you're going to a new country, a new destination? Um, do you, you can't carry on books, obviously, but like, what's your suggestion on that? Like, what do you do for research? Yeah, so, so I, I'm completely against the, the guidebooks for a number of reasons, especially the, the Lonely Planet, uh, mainly because they create this imbalance in, in destinations because if something's in the Lonely Planet, then it's 
very busy and then all the money is going in into these um places that are in the the lonely planet but it's you've got to remember the lonely planet is just one or two people's opinion so it's not really that much different to to a blog and i remember uh, being on a being in a writing workshop with a lonely planet author who was explaining what it's like to work with a lonely planet and she said well i always remember i, I landed in johannesburg and it was my first time in South Africa. And I went to the first uh, hotel that I was going to review and I was going to update. And the owner came out and started like complaining uh, to me because we'd written something bad in the, in the last uh, edition. And, you know, you, you should always, always be wary of that, that, that people are not always going to like you. And I was really struck by the first thing she said, that she was writing the South Africa guidebook and it was the first time she'd been in South Africa. I was like completely shocked. How, how are you the authority to do that? Of course, remember meeting the, the author of the Georgia guidebook in Georgia. Uh, and we were in, in this destination in the mountains in Georgia. Uh, and he was like, yeah, I've, I've got it one day to visit all the accommodation in this town. And then tomorrow I've got to go to the next town. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, I, how can that be a, be a good experience? So, so I'm really about uh, connecting with, like finding good blogs, uh, finding podcasts, connecting with other travelers who've been there, uh, asking them questions uh, and, and saying, what did you like? And, you know, sometimes the advice is not great, but then to me, it's the same as the guidebook. Sometimes the advice is not great. Uh, and then, you know, always looking towards that, that local experience. So I, I think, Co-worker I find is great because I'm already asking questions to the person who works there before I get there. The same with Airbnb. If you find like a, an Airbnb that's more in the original style of Airbnb with a host and you can really ask questions about a, a destination, what's good, where do you want to go? I find that so valuable. And I suppose, yeah, that, that, that would be it. That, those are my main recommendations. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I, I think that's, you know, definitely been my experience with the Lonely Plans is like, oh man, that place sounds really cool. Then you go check it out and it's totally packed with every other American or Canadian. It's just like, well, I don't want to be here. Like I want to be with the locals. I want to have that super authentic experience. So yeah, that's, I'm glad, um, you know, I'm glad your expertise is highlighting that for my own experience, like validating that. Like, yeah, it's, it's better to just get the local, local knowledge and go with that. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. And, um, yeah. And, and also you, you learn, so it's amazing how much you, you learn from the locals. And also I, I find people often forget who are locals. So the idea of meeting locals is you'll have this chance encounter with, you know, a, a local person on the street or at a temple or, or wherever. And then you, you kind of forget, well, actually, the person who's giving you your coffee in any cafe, that person's a local. Uh, every restaurant you go to, they're locals. Every shop you might visit, they're locals. But you kind of, it's easy to shut off from that because you think, well, they're just selling me something. And, and you actually, if you start conversations there, you can find such incredible information that, you know, it's just somebody doing their job, but they're also a local, the exact person that can help you find out uh, something new or answer your, your question or, just give you a little tip uh, that, again, it might not be a great tip. It might turn out to be 
uh, a waste of 20 minutes. But, you know, so was following the Lonely Planet, so was following a blog. So if you go for it, what's 20 minutes to lose? Yeah, absolutely. So any any last thoughts? Where can where can people find you, get in touch with you, um, your socials, your links? Like, yeah, where can people get a hold of you? Yeah, to, to connect with me, head to kated.com, K-A-T-E-D.com. Uh, so that is the, the travel company that I founded. Uh, you can connect to me directly there. Also, kated.com slash podcast. You'll find out more about my podcast. Uh, and, and take a listen. If you, you're interested in these destinations, there's already 135 episodes covering all over the world from how to drive a Super Mario Kart through the streets of Tokyo, dressed as Super Mario, to an overview of being in India and its different regions and destinations, to so many different things that maybe you're going to want to put on your bucket list. So, so check it out, see what you like, take a scroll through, see if some destinations there that interest you. Uh, and you reach out to me directly via Kated. Uh, I'm here to, to answer any questions you have. If it's about travel, if you're setting off as a digital nomad, if you're interested in any destination, you know, I'm, I'm here to help. I've traveled to a lot of places and I feel so fortunate that I was able to do that and make it a reality. So I, I'm here to help anybody else who wants to do that. Uh, thank you so much for just demystifying the digital nomad life for us and really um, going in deep what that life is like and that culture and um, it's totally possible. And I think I want to go back to a little bit of what you said of like, you know, compared to living in these Western countries and going into this more of this digital nomad in other countries, it's it's a lot less money per month, I think. You know, I think you can get by on so much less, so it's so much more possible than and I think a lot of people think, and I just want to thank you for that. Really appreciate you. And um, thank you for an amazing show. And we'll catch you on the next 